This episode of Half Measures is brought to you by Mission Log, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Hi, I'm Norman Lau, co-host of Mission Log. While Daniel and Paul are doing a bang-up job covering the wide world of pop culture, we're talking Star Trek, one episode at a time over at Mission Log, looking for morals, meanings, and messages. In fact, there are a whole lot of other shows at podcasts.roddenberry.com for you to choose from. Science, feminism, even daily news. Boldly go and find us when you're done here, of course. Again, that address is podcasts.roddenberry.com, and we will be delighted to have you trek us out. Welcome to Half Measures. This is episode 20. And if you're listening to this in the future, this podcast is from before we were famous, before the movies and the TV appearances. This was back when Dan and I still had day, day jobs. So uh, just a little you know, reminder there for some of the people, because we have to appreciate, Dan, that some of these people will be listening to the early material, right? It's really bringing about the question for me, Paul, is who would play us in the, the Half Measures origin story? Well, I think yeah, that's a really interesting one. Yeah, I don't know, because most of the people I associate with actors-wise, they're older than me already, so that's not going to work, you know, like like a Hugh Grant type maybe, or, you know, I, I guess a Daniel Craig probably is... is, is <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> maybe, maybe pushing it too far. Maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. maybe yeah. Mm-hmm. Something something to reflect on. But yeah, episode 20, that's, uh, that's a lot of episodes. It is. So, uh, imagine if someone's listened to all of them. Do you think they're okay? Do you think it's a form of punishment used in some black site around the world? I feel I feel like if, if someone's listened to all 20, I'd like them to, to write into us and tell us, you know, give us like a, what do they call those things in the workplace? Like a like a 360 evaluation, you know, like a customer feedback survey. You know, um, I'm too fragile for that. That's I'm too fragile. <laughs> let's, let's, not have, let's not do that. Let's not do I, that. Only, I, I want it to be strengths-based and I want it to be really positive about what you've enjoyed about the, the last 20 episodes. So you want it to and be brief? You, yes, and what you'd like to see in the next 20 episodes. Okay, good. Well, I don't funny, think anyone's writing in. Funny you should say that. There are there are a couple of things that we have cooking in the background, you know, that could be, uh, you know, coming up in future episodes that could just mix things up a bit, some things to look forward to. We won't talk about them there, just in case they don't come to fruition, because as is the case with Half Measures, often things get forgotten, left at the last minute. And um, like literally, Dan and I decided to record today pretty much. And no, we decided last week we were going to record earlier. And then this morning, Dan said to me, we're still recording tonight, right? And I was like, are we? So this is how much preparation has gone into it. So everything you're about to hear is, is off the cuff. So good luck to us. I think you've maybe exposed a little bit too much, Paul, because to the listeners, it's still going to come out on Friday for them. So, I see. They're not going to know. They're not oh, going to know. This is giving away. It's like it's yeah, like when they do those, those talk shows. Yeah, it is it's like when Graham Northern does a show and he has to pretend it's Christmas when people, when guests come onto the couch. It's like they have to pretend. So, uh, okay, a little bit of peek behind the curtain. You can edit this out later, right? Nah, nah. You you know the rule, Paul. It's one cut, one take, one opportunity. Let's get down to some business, Dan Whiting. What have you got for me this week? I'm going to ask you the question we always ask to celebrate the 20th episode. What have you been watching this week? 
well, 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 what have I been watching? So I've finished uh, What We Do in the Shadows Season 2. Um, really, really enjoyed this season. I think they've gone from uh, strength to strength. And I wondered as a, as a TV show whether they could, they could build on it with Season 2. And I, I think they've, they've done that and more. Um, it's a really... It's really funny. I, I just love the where the characters are heading. You know, I love a good Colin Robinson um, energy vampire. You know, m- much like people listening to this podcast, we, we're draining their energy, but it, it's fueling yep. our our passion. Um, I, look, at the reviews for uh, what we do in the shadows on particularly Rotten Tomatoes, it's got a ninety four percent audience score and a ninety seven percent critic score which which is pretty awesome I think for a show like this so definitely looking forward to season three um and again if you I think particularly if you like that kind of dry humor and I think you like the humor of things like Flight of the Concords uh potentially some of those uh Kiwi mm-hmm. shows like Boy or um Hunt for the Wilder People this is a show for you um it's it's good value I think you should check it out Paul I think you, you'd quite enjoy it it, it feels bittersweet for me because what you've just said there appeals to me, Flight of the Concords, Kiwi humour. And yet, as you know, vampires is, is one of those genres that I've just, I, I just can't, I just can't take it seriously. I don't, I don't know what it is. Uh, so I need to focus on the positives here. And there's obviously comedy elements to it. And the vampire isn't in the traditional sense of a, it's, it's not quite that old school vampire type movie, is it? <laughs> No, no. So it's um, it's, it's very much a, a modern take on vampires living in living in our community and just kind of the, you know, the things that they get up to, um, and and this um, there's half a dozen less than sort of vampires that live in the, this one house. They have a what they call a familiar who kind of takes care of their needs and looks after them and makes sure you know their their house is kind of kept in order. But it's it's not. It's not a traditional vampire film. Like obviously they're vampires, so they still get up to a bit of mischief. Mm. But it's more about the the comical side of things that kind of come to play. Look, I, I think you need to probably watch a couple of episodes. Um, if you have you seen the movie What We Do in the Shadows? No, and uh, that's still on my uh, watch list based on your recommendation from last year. So yeah, yeah. Look, I think it it actually builds on that and probably. Because I think that movie was very New Zealand uh, focused. I think this builds on it and puts it uh, probably a bit more in that sort of global American context. So, look, highly rated. Gets um, many guns on the Guns of Kimbo scale for me. Okay. Just to, just to bring a bit of Hollywood to New Zealand here, um, I actually worked with someone who said to me just this week that they live next door to Brett McKenzie, which I thought was pretty cool because I've met Brett. Me and Brett go back a long time. And uh, she said that um, that morning... Get him on the pod. Exactly, that's what I'm thinking. Uh, that morning, um, as she was leaving, Jermaine Clement was walking in to Brett's house. And I just thought that would be just as big as it gets in New Zealand in terms of Hollywood to, to see that occurring. I thought that was quite quite funny. But she said it so matter of fact because she's obviously used to seeing people come and go. I thought it was quite interesting. 
I feel like too in New Zealand when you see a celebrity, like I feel like I've seen Jermaine Clement in restaurants and stuff before, and it's so like low key, like you're just kind of like side eye looking at him to see is that Jermaine Clement, and but it's like you don't actually do anything about it or or, or go up and kind of oh, can I get a, a photo or a, it's we're pretty low key here in New Zealand. Yeah, I definitely didn't ask Brett McKenzie for a photo. Definitely did not do that. Um, so then the other thing, I've actually watched a couple of movies that I wanted to um, share with you. And I, I know that our, our social media manager actually often talks about movie of the week. And, and I'm going to put this as my movie of the week this week. Mm. It's a Netflix movie and it's called um, The Five Bloods. Um, I don't know if you've seen anything about it or, or know much about it, but it's a it's a Spike Lee movie. Never heard and, of it. And I think it came out – I think it was probably due to come, come out in cinemas, but due to – I'm not – don't quote me on this. I think because of COVID, came to came straight to Netflix. Um, mm. And I really, really enjoyed this movie. So uh, the last Spike Lee um, movie I watched was – uh, the Klansman, um, I think that was its title, um, basically about the, um, the the black American guy who infiltrates the, the Ku Klux Klan. But this movie, The mm. Five Bloods, is basically um, about these these five guys going back to back into into Vietnam. They they served in the Vietnam War, and they're going to recover the bodies of one of their one of their friends, and they're going to recover some some gold that they. They buried in the jungle, and in a sort of traditional Spike Lee way, it's got lots of really sort of poignant messages um, at the moment, particularly around around race, um, around equity, around like it's a it's a really interesting story. I thought it's it's quite well done. It sort of deals with issues like PTSD. Um, the acting is is really great. It's a good amount of I think storytelling. It's quite probably the only thing I'll probably say again. It's quite a long movie. It's about one hundred and fifty six mm. minutes. Um, but I think there's a, there's some really great twists and turns. I think I already see like like quality acting and it's interesting when I was watching it it really like I grew up watching um like tv shows like tour of duty and the Vietnam war was probably the first like I don't sort of world war ii was sort of one of the like the, the type of war that, that got me interested in like kind of like army and military and and that type of thing and it's always interesting for me to go back to Vietnam but it obviously talks about a lot of the trauma it talks about some of the I guess the, the, a lot of the, the the sort of terrible racism and things that, um, particularly being being black in Vietnam and and how they mm. how people were treated, even kind of the you know there's a real heavy message in there as well around actually how many um, African Americans um, served in Vietnam compared to um, I guess to white people and it's like that's there's a I think that the stat in the movie is there's 11% of the American population is African-American, yet 30-something percent African-American served in the Vietnam War. So some really, like, you know, interesting messages given the the Black Lives Matter movement that's going on at the moment and almost kind of, like, feeding into that sort of, like, educational bit. But The Five Bloods, I really enjoyed it. I would recommend it as a, as a movie to check out. Firstly, I love how just how you say you never know we're going to get on this podcast. Last week, you gave me Eurovision Song Contest, the movie, and now you've gone to something 
that sounds much much more more serious with some real heavy subject matter um this appeals to me i'm just i've just been looking at some of the things online about it and as you say those ratings look real good um i think it's also as you say poignant timing to watch a movie like this the cast appeals to me i love delroy lindo i haven't seen him in ages i really really enjoyed him in side house rules and um uh, get shorty i think was the one i really enjoyed him. i haven't seen him for a long time so i'd watch it on that basis alone plus jean renault really enjoy him so uh yeah i've added it to watch list as i've been talking to you yeah look i think so yeah definitely a, a quality story it does have a couple of like kind of um gruesome sort of moments and stuff um what we were talking about rotten tomato scores earlier like this has actually got a 92 percent um mm. rating on rotten tomatoes but an audience score of 54 percent. and so i actually i don't think this is going to be a movie for everyone and i think spike lee movies often can be a bit of an acquired taste um but I think it's a movie. It's a, it, I actually took a little bit of a break in this movie, like for sort of like half an hour, went away, had to do something else, and came back, and um, it, it was good. But it's a movie that's really, I guess, sat with me over mm. the last few days since watching it. Um, and uh, someone asked me what to watch, I'd, I'd, I'd highly recommend it. I, I look at just the very plot of veterans going back to search for remains of a fallen squad leader. That's that's you know that's going to be some really deep subject matter so yeah really really good call i like it and then my so my final movie um that i watched of the week um is actually one called honey boy so um this is a movie that i watched on itunes and so what's interesting about so honey boy is um it's it's kind of been referred to or, or talked about as kind of a, a semi sort of look at um i can never quite say his name right sheila labouf sheila shyla labouf shyla labouf let's go with that um yeah. this is sort of a, a look at his um kind of life growing up as, as a young actor and this is a movie i watched purely because again like rotten tomato scores off the charts 95 94 percent um on the tomato meter, 92% audience score. I thought, there's no way I'm not going to love it. It wasn't for me at all. I didn't enjoy it. Um, it was quite a hard watch, and I almost thought about actually stopping watching it at, at one point. Um, I just didn't find it that enjoyable. It was kind of a weird slice of a, a probably a very complex story. Um, and it just it just didn't do anything for me, but it does have um, strong reviews. I, I often use Rotten Tomatoes as a bit of a guide about whether I'm going to watch something, and I thought this was going to be a surefire winner, but it just it didn't it didn't tick any of the boxes for me. I don't know. Is it, is it one on your list at all, Paul? No, I hadn't heard of it until you mentioned it. I find Shia um, a real interesting actor to watch post post whatever I, I don't know what happened to him but he went we he went off the rails he went he went AWOL a little bit i don't know but since then i've been really interested in his work like the peanut butter falcon movie you know oh. um so yeah I, and look i'm a you know anyone who's listened to the older episodes i'm a huge fan of the peanut butter falcon like that's a great movie mm. and i think this movie speaks i think a little bit to 
why Shire is the way that Shire is, and I think just how much of kind of a kind of a messed up childhood that he I think kind of had as a as a young as a young actor. And Shire actually plays his own dad um, in this movie, so there's a lot of kind of quite heavy content in there. Um, and I think it kind of speaks like to a little. It speaks to mental health and and well being and what it's like to kind of probably be probably an adult before you know when you're still a child. Um, but yeah, I just I kind of expected something more gripping, and mm. it, it didn't grab me. That's interesting, eh? And look, ninety four percent, as you say, on Rotten Tomatoes is. Um, I've I've noticed actually over the course of this podcast, you tend to use that as your go to. I'm typically an IMDb. I don't know why that is, but you know, other sources, Empire gives it four out of five stars. Washington Post, three out of four. Um, so I, I always find it interesting when there's a lot of really high reviews for a movie and yet it doesn't quite work for you. I find that um, quite, and it happens to me more frequently than that I would expect. And that's why I think lately I've been searching out some movies which are maybe off the beaten track. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And I, because like I, I really actually, like I think Chai's a really interesting actor. I think I know he's done some slightly off kilter sort of things over the last few years um but i really enjoyed him in movies like fury he was actually great in transformers you know a, a series that we often talk about um i think he's got uh, he was awesome in peanut butter falcon he's he's got a lot to offer and um i think i think there was just so that i imagine for him doing this role there's probably just so much um stuff that he was probably replaying reliving out that maybe i don't know Anyway, I'm probably I'm going on enough about it. Um, and then the other things I'm just continuing my watch of Seinfeld and Outrageous Fortune. Um, but yeah, that that's pretty much me. Nice. Okay. Well, I too have been continuing the watch of uh, Seinfeld. That's been great. Continuing the watch of Community. Continuing the train watch of Breaking Bad. It's peak Breaking Bad. It's, it's at the best now. It's, it's, it's as good as it gets. And we'll come back to that in a later podcast once we're finished and maybe dive back into that. Um, but I've only got three things I've watched since we last recorded. So I'll kick it off with uh, what you were hoping to hear about at the start of last week's podcast when you introduced the podcast as the official review of Too Fast, Too Furious. Yes, it's happened. We've watched the second Fast and the Furious movie, Too Fast, Too Furious from 2003. Now, Dan, last week I had a lot of questions. I made a lot of notes, which is most unlike me for, you know, we talked about how prepared we are for these podcasts. This week I only have two questions for you. Question one, how did the Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, win the Oscar for Best Picture when this film was in the mix of that year? I don't understand how that happened. How did the, how did the Academy overlook this movie these are rhetorical questions you, you, you needn't answer um and the second question which i think you'll know the answer to uh is can you tell me real quick what motor would be better for my skyline a gallo 12 or a gallo 24 do you know the answer to that one by any chance <clears throat> don't bring me um your buster um soft drink questions into uh it's not it's not for me paul I just want, I, I feel like we need to. I feel like we need to clear some things up. Um, so, I, I'm a Fast and the Furious one advocate. After that, my my loyalty kind of like starts to kind of decrease. I'm also a fan of Tokyo Drift, so I'm expecting that you will actually get onto that. 
Um, I'm presuming you're going to commit to the, the wider series. I think we're Fast and the Furious 1, the last great action movie. <laughs> Fast and the right, Furious 2. Right. Like, mm. I think it tries to build on that, but with a bit more, uh, like, like more over the top. It's sort of more bright and colourful, obviously being set in Miami. And obviously the the big factor, which I'm sure you're about to bring up, is Wes Vin Diesel in, in Fast 2. You know, it's this movie has got a, a core, and I think I don't know whether you know some of the the rationale why there's no Vin Diesel in Too Fast, Too Furious. No, I'd, I'd be really keen to find out. <clears throat> oh, Paul, I'm glad you asked. So, um, so at the time of Too Fast, Too Furious, um, our friend Vin Diesel was also working on the other Riddick movies, and he was also working on Triple um, X, and I believe he didn't want to do too many um, franchise sort of movies, and I think he he tried to back the right horse, and clearly he didn't back the right horse, and we get him back eventually, um, but I think they try to bring in a whole other element, and I, I think Too Fast, Too Furious, is, and I know that these movies get a hard time, is even more cheesy, and I actually think doesn't do much for the... Um, as much for the genre, but I think pretty much Tokyo Drift, which is the next one that you'll obviously be watching, I imagine, after this podcast, um, takes it in a whole nother dimension. And then basically from there on, um, we're almost coming back to a bit more of the uh, the, the core actors. Um, and the as we've said many times, the, the plot, the characters, the over-the-topness, just increases a hundred percent each time, so I, I imagine you'll be looking forward to that. In terms of why it didn't um, <laughs> get any Oscars for Lord of the Rings, <laughs> look, it's probably because the Oscars are rigged. Um, no, I don't know. I don't think it probably deserved any. Uh, and also, you know, I think we appreciate it. It was a great moment for New Zealand, so we wouldn't want to take that away from them either. Um, right. I was particularly impressed with the, your your answer to the second question. So that you know, that's that's a line that uh, was spoken in the movie. And yes, indeed, it's a it's the pizza pizza drink is actually the answer. I don't know. Yeah, it's just crazy. And the fact that I can quote something from a movie and you know exactly what I'm talking about scares me. So um, for anyone who hasn't seen this uh, this the second Fast and the Furious movie, um, uh favorite former cop brian o'connor he's back and he's been recruited to a really dangerous uh, criminal mission to get rid of a criminal and so he recruits one of his friends and so it's a, a street racer and so obviously going into this i had done no research and as you know i've, I've, I've learned but when he says he's got a guy, he knows a guy who can help him. I'm immediately waiting at this point. Oh, here we go. This is the big entrance. The camera's going to pan across slow motion. Vin Diesel's going to be walking in with the sunglasses on where, you know, there's some really cool music and, and it doesn't happen. Um, so uh, it's Tyrese Gibson. Now, I think he's absolutely superb in this movie, Tyrese. And I hope, and again, don't tell me because I don't want spoilers, but I hope he shows up in some of the future movies because I find this guy really funny he has all the best lines um and i i thought he was what kept me going through this movie um 
not just Vin Diesel though. Michelle Rodriguez is gone. Uh, I'm just looking at the names there from the first movie. Jordana Brewster, she doesn't show up again. So there's a few others. So I wonder if we'll see them again in the future. Who knows? There's still no Jason Statham. There's still no Gal Gadot. There's still no Rock. So they're making me wait, it seems. I'm going to have to keep watching these movies to get the big cast names, I guess. Um, but there are some additions for this movie. Uh, Eva Mendes comes in. I think she's okay. Uh, I think I've only ever really seen her in um, Robert Rodriguez's um, Once Upon a Time in Mexico and a few other things. But I think she's she's pretty good with the script she's given. Uh I also really enjoyed, and I'm not sure how to pronounce his name. I've got it here, Amori Nolasco. Um, I really enjoyed him in, in Prison Break. Uh, he was in all the seasons of Prison Break, and I really enjoyed him in that. I also thought Ludacris. Ludacris, uh, I thought he was great. Um, I've only really seen him on the big screen in Max Payne, another movie which everyone hates but I love. I actually thought he was okay with some pretty funny lines. And, of course, he's a he's a huge rapper, so... He... He's probably on your Spotify playlist, I imagine. You know me too well. That's exactly the kind of music I have playing most of the time. So, uh, yeah, that's why I knew how to pronounce his name correctly. Um, look, as we often say on this podcast, look, because uh, that's what listeners can do, right? It, it feels like the director, John Singleton, has less budget than the first movie got. And I'm not prepared to do enough research to find out that's the case. But I actually think he does a better job with the money that he had compared to the first movie because I actually like the plot of this movie. I, I can see you. you. It's like, it's like a caller waiting to buzz in. I can see by your face. <laughs> yeah. He's, he, for those who can't see Dan is now furiously typing away to try and find out the exact budget from this movie. I think um, so. I was saying, I like the plot of this movie. I think sometimes the writing goes a little too far or is a bit weak, but the actual plot for the movie, I think, works fine some of the action goes a little too far once again and i know i made some really you know really bad dad jokes about the the racing going on but it does seem very odd that they seemingly have no traffic enter the race road for what seems like hundreds of blocks that they must have closed off i found that um quite quite interesting um and uh what else did i think was some of the racing scenes themselves felt quite forced like it felt like they didn't really need to race at any point it was kind of like but they're like oh this is a movie about too fast so we better have some car scenes in there but i thought they were fine um the music is dated again but it's still way better than the first movie so look i i think because you played it down so much whereas you hyped up the first one so much. I think I actually enjoyed this one more than I expected to. So I'm on board for some more. And I feel that because each sequel is going to, you know, going to get more modern, hopefully some of the issues that I have with this franchise will naturally fall away as, uh, you know, as, as the, uh, the movies become more modern. So yeah, it was better than I expected. Well, Paul, I can confirm I was furiously typing and the budget for the first movie was 38 million US dollars. What do you think the budget for the second movie was? Well, 38, I would say I'll go with I'll go with 20. 76 million for the second movie. Wow. So obviously wow. yeah, so uh, almost uh, Okay, so I think a lot of that money must have gone on cast because yeah, I 
I felt like the the racing scenes, maybe it came down to direction in the end. I don't know. Um, I felt some of the scenes just looked a little cheaper in this. This one felt like it was straight to DVD. The first one felt like cinema. I, I don't know. Can you just check yourself on how many offensive statements that you're saying here about a, a beloved franchise? Um, I think uh, obviously there's a the number of cars in this. I think is like greatly increased. Um, I think there's there's some great standout moments in Too Fast, Too Furious. Like one amazing title, Too Fast, Too Furious. Um, and I think the, the titles only get better. Um, I really enjoy the the scene when um oh, what's his name when um carter verone basically sets the challenge for them to go and get those goods from the uh, the impounded car and they're basically you know racing down the street they're driving backwards on the motorway like like at no point anywhere is there a police car or anyone even slightly concerned this truck this trucks crushing cars it's incredible like there, there, there's some great car moments in there i still don't think for me they stack up to the incredible moments from Fast and the Furious one, which definitely should have got an Oscar, um, particularly for Walker. R.I.P. Oh, I'm 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 impressed, Paul. I'm glad that you've you've committed. I really look forward to hearing your thoughts on Tokyo Drift. Um, okay. I feel like there's something I want to talk to you about with Tokyo Drift, but I'm just trying to decide whether I do that now or wait till after you've watched it. Let's let's go with afterwards. Just, just, okay, <laughs> that's how I okay. feel about it. Um, I'm going to move the conversation forward before this turns into an official Fast and the Furious you gonna, podcast. You're going to drive it up, pop it up again. I am going to pop it up again. I'm going to pop it back to 1997, uh, which is the year for the second movie I watched, and this movie is Event Horizon. Uh, this movie, also like Too Fast Too Furious, was on Netflix. Um, and I haven't watched this movie since I rented the VHS tape back in, um, you know, back in the late 90s, 97, I guess. Um, but I'd forgotten how awesome the cast was for this movie. So you've got, you've got Lawrence Fishburne, you've got Sam Neill, great shout out for New Zealand, uh, Kathleen Quinlan, you've got Richard T. Jones, who went on to do all kinds of things. And I remember him best from Terminator, the Sarah Connor Chronicles. Uh, you've got Jason Isaacs. You've got Sean Pertwee, who plays Alfred in Gotham, one of the best Alfreds of all time. There's just there's some really great names in this, and I don't know. Have you seen this? Do you remember this movie, Dan? Do you know a little um, little backstory? So when Event Horizon came out, I used to work at a, a cinema in Hawke's Bay, and I remember the movie coming out and um, you know ripping people's tickets as they're going to see it. And I, it's a movie. I remember watching little bits of all the time as I'd go into the cinema and just check out what's happening and tell people to get their feet off the seats. Um, but it's a movie I've never actually watched. But it's funny that you said you that you watched it because over the weekend when I was looking for things, this this came up and I was like, maybe I need to watch this movie. I feel like Paul talks about this movie all the time. So I haven't seen it at all. It, and it's weird that I talk about it all the time because I haven't seen it since 97. And yet uh, I really wanted to. And so we finally finally got around to it so i'll be basically spoiler free for you but basically you know this is this is quite an old movie sam neil's a scientist and he designs this this spaceship called event horizon uh, which will go off to explore you know further than we've ever gone before uh but it disappears 
but then years later, it randomly sort of shows up again and starts sending out a, a distress signal. And so Lawrence Fishburns uh, leads a team to go and find the event horizon and hopefully rescue the crew. So that's the I think that's probably as far as I need to go in terms of plot. But that's basically uh, the the plot, and it really draws on elements of movies that I love that I, I find. I quite enjoyed so it kind of has elements of um alien particularly i think the first alien movie um i don't want to oversell this movie because it's certainly not in the same league as alien but there's elements of it that feel like that there's also parts of it especially towards the end that feel a bit like the hellraiser movies you know with um old pinhead and all his friends and just like the vampires i'm not a big fan of horror so um you know there are definitely elements of horror here and in fact I, I came for the sci-fi and then halfway through you're sort of very aware that there are some really dark, dark elements here and there's there's some loud sort of try and scare you moments that you uh, you typically associate with a classic horror. Um, it's Paul Paul Anderson, Paul W.S. Anderson, uh, who's probably best known for the Resident Evil movie series that he did. So his style comes through in this movie quite a bit if you're familiar with his work. He also did, um, I wonder if you've seen this, Dan, have you seen Death Race? With Jason Statham. I have seen that one. Yeah, I have. Yeah, so there's, there's elements of that that come through. I, I actually really enjoyed that movie. If anyone hasn't seen it, I'd definitely recommend it. It's really, really different. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll look, I'll, I think I was going to talk about some things that I don't want to because I have a feeling you might go and watch this. But yeah, Sam Neill's character is awesome. I think what he does with the character really surprised me. Um, I think you should talk about it because it's, to be fair, it's a... It's been 23 years since um, I was working at the cinema. <laughs> okay. And, you know, I've probably had my shot. So you, you go ahead and spoil it. Okay. So I, I didn't expect Sam Neill's character to be sort of basically the big bad guy enemy who would end up, you know, killing everyone at the end of the movie. You know, spoiler alert. Um, but that's, you know, he, he plays that character really, really well. It's not something I'd typically associate with, with Sam Neill. Um, I think he, I think I, I've seen him on Twitter quite a lot recently living in Otago and he's typically out in his field with sheep. And it's just, just, just seeing him so much younger playing this part was just amazing. Um, it's another movie though, that does get a little bit let down in the writing is the details. I think it tries too hard to finish too strong. Um, it's kind of like, you know, you have those movies where you think it's ended but then there's still like another two or three waves of stuff. And it's like, oh, the bad guy's dead, but oh no, there he is again. And then two minutes later, oh, he's back again. And oh no, it's actually a dream. Or is it, you know, it's kind of, they just too many times, you know, that sort of thing. I'm giving you complete spoilers. <laughs> I know you're never going to watch this movie. Um, but the first hour, I really think stands up really, really well. There's a lot of it that holds up the idea, the intent of the movie. It's a great sort of mid-90s sci-fi. The ship looks fine. The exterior shot's generally okay, but some of the special effects have an age as well. And I think, you know, if you think about The Phantom Menace and The Matrix that came out like 99, both of those movies, this is only two years earlier, so they're really out of that league. There's some scenes where they're trying to show off the water floating in space and maybe it looked good back then i don't know it doesn't know so i think this movie needs like a george lucas special edition treatment but there's a there's a lot of really enjoyable scenes great dialogue as i said the cast really do a great job and yeah 
I, I know I've spoiled it for, for you, but I reckon you should go watch this. I think you, I think you'd enjoy it. I think, uh, yeah, looking at the, looking at it on on Rotten Tomatoes again, not sponsored um, by Rotten Tomatoes, is yeah. it, it does very much look like Alien. In fact, I think one of the first images on there um, looks like uh, Ripley, um, and then right. the still. Another interesting one on the you know on the score front. So this is my my favorite type of movie when the critics so this has got a twenty seven percent but the audience score is sixty one. That's when I, I I really enjoy it when um when the the fans or the people that have watched it they're like nah the critics have got it wrong. So mm. it, it actually makes me want to watch it even more. Um and I think you know again with the the Kiwi connection to Sam Neil I feel like it's always been on my list. I wonder whether it's actually been the horror component that's always kind of put me off like mm, I feel definitely. like whenever I whenever I see the horror tag I've got to be in I feel like I've got to watch horrors in the right environment like um there's horror there's horrors that I'm like really genuinely intrigued by and need to watch and then there's horrors where if I know it's going to give me like jump scares I need to like make sure there's the right amount of daylight and I've got the right security features around me yeah so yeah, yeah. Okay, my final movie uh, is a movie called 7500. Uh, this is a very new movie, 2019 movie. Uh, just recently came out on Amazon Prime. And the star of the movie is uh, Jason Gordon-Levitt, uh, who plays uh, a pilot. And it's a really straightforward, simple plot. He's, he's a pilot. You see him get onto the aircraft. He's making small talk in the cockpit as the captain as they prepare for takeoff. There's a couple of late passengers, a tire needs replacing, lots of special meal requests. It's all very operational, really, really quiet. And it's like, what's going on here? And then, you know, the unthinkable happens and terrorists try to seize control of the flight. So that's the plot of the movie. It's a, you know, a, a hijack movie, if you like. Um, the title of the film um, which any aviation fanatic will be able to tell you. Code 7500 is a, qu- is a code that uh, the pilot uh, squawks into his onboard transport, transponder to silently notify air traffic control of a hijack situation. So that's where the, 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 uh, the title of the movie comes from. And again, another little find on Amazon Prime, not sponsors of this podcast. I really enjoy it once again. And what I particularly liked about it was the perspective that you see this movie from. So I think we've all seen movies with, you know, plane hijacks or, or what have you, but this entire movie is all from the cockpit. So you never leave from the moment, as I said, when he walks in, take off to the moment that the terrorists make their move. And what's great about that is, is that all of the action, you know, the, the chaos is happening in the cabin and but just like the pilot who's who's in a lock cockpit, you never get to see what's actually happening. Um, so you get to see it through his eyes. The exception to that is, is there's, there's a, um, a security camera monitor, which is how they can see what's happening just outside the door. Um, but it's another one of those movies for me that falls into the, the whole confined space um, arena. So I think I've talked about that recently on the podcast with um, Astronaut The Last Push. Um, platform, criminal, various TV shows. You know, I, I love that. I love it when there's a confined space. I don't know why I, I find that really appealing in a movie situation. I think Joseph is great um, as the pilot. Um, you know, he's dealing with so many things. There's some twists in there as well. So it makes every decision that he makes really more intense because above all else, 
the, the, the real thing is he cannot open that door. That door has to stay shut under all circumstances. And then some circumstances arise where it's like, is he going to open that door? Is he going to open it, Dan? Is he? I don't know. Is he? Don't tell me. I'm not I might watch it. I'm not going to tell you, but that's that's your that's your plot, and that's the angles at which you see this movie, and it's 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 really good. Tell me, Paul. Um, I did you know that the code seven five zero zero was that distress code before you watched this movie? I, Are you that type of aviation nerd? I did not, although I do know two people who listen to this podcast who both are. I'm going to say aviation nerds, and I just thought that would be cool to make it sound like I knew what the hell I was talking about. Um, no, I actually when I when I watched it, and then I uh, I hadn't picked up on the seven five hundred at any point because the flight number is like ASB one two six, whatever. So I'm like, what the hell is seventy? Is that the cruising? I had no idea, so I actually I googled it, and I'm like, okay, but they don't actually make reference to it. It's kind of interesting. So yeah, that's the title. Um, just looking at the poster now, one of my biggest criticisms of this movie is the poster. Um, in fact, I remember when I first saw it come up, it actually made me think twice about watching it. You know, when you see a, like a an old movie or, or something that's like a straight to DVD movie, like Too Fast, you know, and you sort of look at the quality of the poster. Whoa, 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 whoa. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I, that's, that's too much. That's too much. But I looked at it and I just thought is it going to be that good? You know, it's kind of like, I feel like I could have better done a better job with that in Microsoft Paint or something. I don't know who Amazon are employing here, but I've, I feel like I need to issue like a come and get me plea because, you know, I reckon I could I could do a better poster than that. Don't be put off by the poster. Uh, download this movie. It's only an hour and a half. And um, it's actually, do you know what? It's it's so good. I actually wish I'd now suggested to Diana that we watch it together. So I think, I think she would enjoy this as well. How did you come? So obviously you watched this on Amazon Prime, but did you know about this movie, or did you just stumble across it? It's, it's another one of those stumble across where I, I go in when I decide I'm going to watch a movie on the train, which is where I watched this one. Uh, I just I just go into recent movies. I typically look at runtime and genre, and if I think there's something that either sounds appealing based on the plot or the actor, um, I'll give it a go. So. Look, I'm, it's, it's admirable, Paul, the amount of new stuff that you that you watch. And I I must admit, over the weekend, I was like, I need to watch something new. I need to watch something new. Paul's going to watch something. He's going to just be, like, clicking random things. And he's going to be watching it. I need to check something out. What am I going to watch? And, like, the pressure was so intense. Um, but I, I enjoy, actually, um, uh, those movies where they manage to, you know, much like, um, God, what's it? that TV show on Netflix where it's filmed in those different countries and it's kind of from that single point of view. Criminal. 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 I, I, you know, we've, we've talked about those shows um, a few times on here um, and it reminds me very much of the uh, the Ryan Reynolds movie. I don't know if you've seen Buried mm-hmm. where he's in the – yep. And so just those – it's amazing when they can actually like tell a story from such a, a confined right. space or it's kind of gives you that, that claustrophobic feeling. So I actually might watch this one. Um, I'll add it to the list. It sounds interesting. Um, I think yeah, I'm just looking at the poster now. It looks mediocre. I don't mediocre. think it does anything anything yeah. for it. But um, yeah, no, good job, good job. And that is all I've got. Incredible, incredible. This whole podcast is really just turning into what have we been watching? And each week people get to hear about it. Lucky them. Lucky them, right? Lucky them. <laughs> Lucky them. <clears throat> so we we must be up to a, a little bit of news, are we? 
Yeah, I think so. Um, I I actually don't have too much, so maybe I'll just keep talking. Um, then for New Zealand listeners, the Neon and Lightbox merger is complete. So uh, the new app is looking very lightboxy on the inside, which is interesting given that the platform retains the name Neon. But um, they do have a, f- a few movies in there which you can download without paying for. They also have some you can rent. So it looks like there is definitely a mix of those two models. So one subscription fee, New Neon is here. So that's probably the, the, the biggest news item I have. What about you, Dan? Um, yeah, I think this this is interesting news for New Zealand because I think, um, look, and this isn't going to be interest to our, our global listeners, but it does very much feel like the Lightbox app just with the neon colours. Um, there are some things which I think are interesting, just having a quick a quick look. It only just came out today, but I quite enjoy that they've got the coming soon, um, both TV mm. shows and movies. Because um, sometimes nothing is more annoying if I pay to hire a movie and then next week I find it on um, Netflix or something like that. So actually, I think that's quite cool. Um, it looks... Look, I think it's it, hopefully it's a good combination. Um, I think Neon always had a good selection, a better selection of TV shows, higher quality TV shows. A lot of that sort of Soho, HBO quality material. Um, and I think they've obviously got a, a stronger range of movies than than Lightbox ever had. So I think this is promising for us, and it's probably going to be an interesting. It'll be interesting to see some analytics, not that we ever would between whether people, you know, if they were paying, would they go for the new Neon or or Netflix? I think, just answering my own question, I, I imagine Netflix is probably the more consistent and um, has more regular content updates. I do wish that they actually went a little bit further with the, um, the design of this app. I feel like... I think they should have given it a whole new name. This is a real mm. opportunity to, to rebrand as something. Yep. And I think even just talking uh, talking about, you know, the new neon around the, the lunch table today, most people had no idea really what I was talking about. Or, you know, whereas I think you could have really come out strong with a mm. Welcome to the Half Measures podcast or Welcome to the Half Measures uh streaming service and it would have been you know new and exciting and you could have cast off the old, old shadows but hey look we, yeah. we, we're here for consulting now just you know anytime get us in we've correct. got views correct um what else have i got here so the other thing i noticed in the news this uh, this week is that uh, at the age of 91 ennio morricone has died and this is a movie composer who for me, is just in a league of his own from the Fistful of Dollars movie theme. So the Clint Eastwood, The Man With No Name, those movies from the 60s, absolutely fantastic. I really loved his type of music as a as a composer. He's very much different to what you sort of typically get. And, uh, yeah, so he's he's passed away at the age of 91, which is, is a shame. Great composer. Um, and then um, the last thing I have on a upbeat note and this isn't news at all but i loved it so i'm going to talk about it um on twitter if you go to at star wars stuff um someone has made a really nice fan-made edit of the end of the rise of skywalker um with with so when ray's battling uh palpatine it has anakin luke 
Yoda and Obi-Wan in the background, sort of mentally, I guess, supporting her um, through the Force as she battles the Palpatine clone. And um, it's really movie quality. Like if Lucasfilm said it was their edit, I'd probably believe it. It's 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 one of the better ones I've ever seen. And uh, I really enjoyed that. Uh, I don't have a huge problem with that movie. We've talked about how much I enjoy it. But one of my things was it would have been great at the end rather than just hearing the voices if we could somehow have seen people like Anakin, if we could have seen maybe Yoda or even Ewan McGregor's Obi-Wan. But uh, so this is what this is kind of like a nice little what it could have been. And so when I think about in my mind what it could have been like this, this whoever's done this, they've done a tremendous job of emulating what I expected. Any other news from you, Dan? Uh, just a, a couple of small things from me. Um, I think while we're on the the note of Star Wars, I saw an article yesterday, and look, I don't know how true this is, and I'm not going to do any fact checking, but um, <laughs> brilliant, <laughs> brilliant! What what a great offer that um, Mark Hamill has no idea who Ahsoka Tano is, and I just wondered what you thought about that, Paul. I can I can already quash that rumor because Mark Hamill, who we have measures follow on Twitter, obviously, uh, has already uh, tweeted that he knows exactly who Ahsoka Tano is and tweeted a couple of photographs uh, with himself and Ahsoka. So um, yeah, he he put that rumor to bed quite quickly. So uh, I, I heard that's that too. Not that um, I think you know. Obviously, Mark Hamill is a is a person. Um, I'm, I'm quoting Star Wars. I'm you a person. Um, but I just thought it was interesting for obviously someone who has played such um, such great fan service over the years. It kind of felt, when I read that headline, I was like, no, it can't be. But thanks for um, thanks for fact-checking me and putting that news in check. We'll cut that out. It's terrible. Yeah, that's right. That's the balance not, that we bring. Yeah, yeah I'm not going to cut it. Um Another bit of interesting news that I was looking at is a few films that have got um, exemptions in the UK to, I guess, continue filming um, as part, obviously, still various amounts of sort of COVID lockdown and reduced travel and staying in bubbles. But just a couple of those movies that have got um, a special allowance, uh, Mission Impossible 7, The Batman, um, Jurassic World. Fantastic Beast 3, uh, a musical version of Cinderella. And so these are probably, I'm sure there's more movies than that, but these these movies have been given, um, I guess, a special ability to, once they arrive in the country where they're filming, they're restricted, obviously, their their bubble environment, only sort of moving between accommodation and and sets for shooting, but obviously um, full steam ahead on some of those movies. Amazing. I'd love to. I'd love to see the the criteria around. You know what makes it. Um. You know, you, what makes you can get an exemption. It's kind of a. It's it's really mm. interesting. It's really interesting. It's worrying as well. Well, uh, actually, New Zealand's been quite a bit in the um in the entertainment media as well for similar reasons. Where apparently we've become quite a, a desirable country for people to want to film. Um obviously been largely COVID free apart from the COVID which is coming in at the border and it sort of raises a whole bunch of questions. Um, obviously um, Avatar 2 is um, being filmed in New Zealand and you know that 
when that film crew arrived in the, in the country that uh, that created quite a bit of sort of media interest as well didn't it so it's uh, interesting times and, and i think um good that i guess some of these movies are progressing but uh, yeah i think you want to make sure it's for the right reasons and it can all be done safely for everyone involved i think great uh, my other bit of news um, is friend of the show, Gus Fring. Ah, Giancarlo Esposito. <clears throat> is um, apparently going to be starring in a, a major upcoming video game. Um, and he's there's little sort of information about what that video game is yet. Um, but he's been quoted as having to do a, a new style of acting. Um, and it's something which is going to be is going to be huge. And so I think that's interesting and exciting. Um, I think there's probably, um, there's a few sort of rumours about what, what his, what, what game he might be in. I see rumours around a, um, a new Far Cry game, but it wouldn't, I could equally see him being being part of a, a Star Wars game, um, some continuation of the the Mandalorian into like a a gaming universe could be very awesome. Who knows? I'm sure it's not that, but it's it's always cool when you get to see some of um I guess some of the the half measures favorite actors yeah. and characters um, come to life in different mediums. He's an absolute favorite. He he takes so many boxes because he you know he's got the Breaking Bad tech, he's got the Better Call Saul tech, he's got the Mandalorian tech. I mean, he's he is one of the greatest bad guys of all time. So I can only assume in whatever uh, game he ends up being in that he'll 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 surely have to play that bad guy. I, I just I don't know. I just can't see him being the nice guy ever. In fact, I I don't like seeing him in real life because he's he is actually genuinely such a nice guy. I don't want to see him mm. like that. I just I just want him as a bad guy. Um, and then my my final bit of news is it's, it's actually a TV show which has been renewed for a third season, which has been long on my watch list and I actually haven't started yet. Um, is uh, it's on Netflix and it's called um, Dead to Me, and I've, I keep hearing rave reviews about that TV show, um, and I I actually haven't started it. But now that it's it's been renewed for a third season, it makes me think I probably should hurry up and get on that. I don't want it to be another Event Horizon. Yeah, correct. We don't want that. Or another, you know, we don't want it to get into this Star Wars Rebels type situation where I keep waiting for you to come on the podcast and say, oh, I finished season four last night, Paul. It's so good. You, you have to savor the things that matter, Paul. Correct. Nicely savor done. Savor the things that matter. Yeah. Nicely yeah. done. Yeah. And I do have one last piece of news that I just remembered, uh, and that is, and I know this is of interest to you, uh, that is that Star Trek Lower Decks the second animated Star Trek series of, um, of you know that we've ever had since the one from 1973 uh, is going to premiere on the 6th of August, uh, so less than a month for that to come out. Uh, so that's quite exciting. We don't have a means to watch that in New Zealand yet, uh, through obviously through legal means, um, which I think is a bit of an oversight, nor does Europe for that matter. It's only been uh, North America at this point. But very exciting. Um, Mike McMahon is at the helm of this one, so Rick and Morty uh, creator, and it's uh, yeah, it's going to be a little bit more um, adult than perhaps other cartoons. There's another cartoon in the in the making called Star Trek Prodigy, which is going to be on Nickelodeon. Obviously, will be you know, targeted towards kids. But this one is a uh, is following the support crew of a starship. So rather than sitting on the bridge with the captain and the 
all the action and the you know what's going on up there it's actually you know what's going on for the guys downstairs who are peeling the potatoes and um you know cleaning cleaning the hallways and you know it's 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 called the lower decks it's those people that are in the maintenance and that type of stuff so quite exciting as to what that might be like and yeah could be a good end for you to enter your journey into the the star trek universe it's funny you say that um and again i reluctantly bring this up but i was when i was looking for a movie to watch over the weekend i was like should i start star trek discovery and then I thought to myself, maybe what I should do is go back and watch the the Star Trek movies. And when I say go back, I mean the J.J. Abrams ones. Like, that that would be my going back. Um, obviously, I've seen those movies, but maybe that would sort of be, you're putting in some time and effort into Fast and the Furious. Maybe I need to put in some time into Star Trek and Samara saying the same thing to me. Um, and then I just did a quick Google about, oh, actually, do I need to go back even further? And then I was like, oh, my God, there's so much content. There's so there's so many overlapping things. Like, I don't, I don't know if I've got it in me. Like, speaking of straight to DVD, some of these wow. shows. Are, like... Well played. Well played. Um, look, I'm gonna, <laughs> all I can say to you at this point is maybe hold off for now. And the reason I say hold off, you know how earlier I said I was some things cooking in the background. I'm hoping to get some relatively expert opinion for you as to where to start your Star Trek experience. So that's that's my taster for you in terms of that. Um, so, you know, rather than me saying definitely start with Picard or definitely start with Voyager, I'm going to see if we can get some some experts for you because this is this is a pet project of mine. It's uh, I won't rest until I see you wearing the full uniform giving the Vulcan salute. Do you know what I'm really mostly worried about, Paul, is that I think I'm probably going to love it. And I feel like I might fall into a wormhole. And I almost don't want to give you the satisfaction of, you know, turning up in my full captain's uniform. Stardate. Well, if, if it is something, something. Yeah. If it Dark is side. a wormhole that you fall into, let, let's make sure it's uh, the wormhole that goes through to the Gamma Quadrant right next to Deep Space Nine. But we'll get to that in a few years when you get to that series. Um is that is that us in the news bag? Is that us done? That's the, the news. news bag? The, That's the, the news. newsroom. The newsroom. Sorry. Yeah. Um, newsroom. Yeah. What about the mail bag? Speaking of bags. So, yeah, the mail bag. So um, very quiet week. However, the director of John English Strikes Again, uh, David Kerr, he shared our podcast post um, about uh, the post about the movie uh, on Twitter, which was nice. Um, and the other thing we had, um, so our regular listener, Bruce Gray, um, I feel like he gets Just to be clear, we have, we have more than bit. one one listener, just our yeah, regular just, listener. Uh, <laughs> one of our regular listeners. One of our regular listeners. We, we know we've got a few. We, we, we've seen the stats. We've seen the analytics coming through it. It's it's, it's really good. It's, it's really uh, quite inspiring, actually. It's what keeps us coming back. It's not just the money, right, Dan? Um, Shh. Yeah, yeah. Sorry Wait, you're paid. Yeah, but Bruce Gray, uh, he's been in contact with us a few times. Um, that's how we know he's a regular listener. Um, and in fact, not only is he a regular listener, he he really does pay attention as well because he sent us uh, a tweet that said, "Surely this crossover film would sweep the board at the Half Measures Podcast Oscars." And he spelled Oscars with the K. So that's how that's how I know he he really he gets us just a little bit. Uh, he's all, I think he also gets us because he sends us something that falls 
into the types of things that we like. There's a bit of Vin Diesel in this. There's a bit about Terminator in there. And there's also some stuff about fan theories, which we recently talked about, uh, thanks to Freckle Pretzel. So um, this is a great find from Bruce. So thanks for sending it in. Um, this is a fan theory. And there's a whole article here on um, avclub.com. Uh, Vin Diesel's Fast and Furious character is actually a Terminator. And there's a whole article here about this. And I am going to be a little bit disappointing here. Sorry, Bruce, because I've been advised by senior management at the uh, Half Measures podcast not to read this article because what it will do is it will spoil things for me in some of the upcoming um Fast and Furious movies. So obviously I now know that Vin Diesel's coming back, one, because of this uh, this article, and two, because then you confirmed that earlier on the podcast. But I have bookmarked it, as old people tend to do, you know, when you favorite things and bookmark them. Remember when you used to do that? Um, and I will go back to it. But yeah, there's a, there's a really long piece here around how there's a really good case to say that Vin Diesel could be a Terminator and that there could be a crossover of some sort and i am terrified to be honest i love this theory so much um it really speaks to me i think it would answer some of these questions about the the crazy stunts um that that happen some of the the superhuman strength that um some of our characters have this this is the type of thing I've heard about, and that, that when I started saying, "What do you mean, superhuman?" and there's, "Oh, don't read anymore." So yeah, it's interesting you say about. Um, well, I think two things. One, awesome. Thanks, Bruce, for for getting in touch, and the the fact that you even use the the K from the Oscars is that, that's next level. Um, a fan theory which um, Samara brought up to me actually that she was surprised we didn't talk about um, is around Jar Jar Binks being a, a Sith Lord and why, you know, like you know, you've, you've, you've heard this theory, right, Paul? Of course. No? Uh, no, I have heard it. I just uh, shake of course, my head of course. every time I hear it. And so, uh, which is another a fan theory I love, and I think there's some really great YouTube videos about um, Jar Jar's um, bumbling and hand movements and yellow eyes. Which, um, like, I, I don't think, it, like, I don't think it's true, but I, I, lo- I love the the idea of it, and I can tell I've triggered Paul because um, for the you know, there is no video vision of this podcast. Whenever he lifts his headphones off his ears, it's like to release some pressure. From a attention headache that's building up. So. I can't listen to anymore. I don't know how to listen. I imagine the listeners throwing down their headphones and going, that's it. That's it. That's the last time. These guys are nice guys, but I'm not listening to this anymore. I can't take it anymore. <laughs> so anything else in the mailbag, Paul, or is that, is that us? That is pretty much us for this week, as I say, a quiet week. So if you want to, uh, you know, get in touch, we'd be grateful because, you know, we love it when people write in with their ideas, thoughts, criticisms, and otherwise. Um, so you can get us at halfmeasurespodcast.com or on social media. Great chatting to you, Paul. And yeah, get in touch. Um, and we will see you, um, lovely people, next week. Adios. Adios. How dare you, Paul? How dare you? <laughs> <laughs>